I pray, Lord, that they would find the time to seek your face, to seek you out, Lord, and know that you have no rival, that you can meet every need, no matter how big or how small. We love you, Lord. We praise you for this time of worship you've given us just to draw to you, Lord. We praise you for healing. We praise you that you are an all-powerful God who meets our needs. And we give this time to you. Speak to our hearts as only you can and have your way in this place. In the name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. You can be seated if you can. But I am now. I'm so glad you're here for week two of a series we call All In. And it's all about how you and I can be completely invested in our walk with Christ. We talked to you last week uh, and we shared a passage of scripture that we're going to share each week. It's John chapter 10, verse 10, which is one of my very favorite passages. So while you're turning there, if you got your Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me. It's in your bulletin. Man, how many feel like you've already been to church this morning? Amen. I felt a little preacher in me coming out. I knew I tucked my shirt in for a reason today. So what that was about. We went to a wedding yesterday and uh, I had a suit on. And uh, I said, Don, I should probably wear this to church tomorrow. And she went, no. No. I said, why not? She said, nobody would hear a word you said. They'd all be, why, why, is, why is he wearing a suit? Anyway. John chapter 10, verse 10, we're going to talk today about trust. Look at somebody and say trust. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes to steal, only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's what this series is all about. I, I want, and I want for you, a full, abundant life. And I'm going to tell you that there's some stuff that will try to steal that. And we talked last week that one of those things that tries to steal the abundant life that Christ has for us is religion. See, religion, how many know of its own, by itself, uh, is really not going to help anybody. We talked about the difference last week between religion and relationship. And here's what I need to just let you know. Everybody's got a religion. Everybody. See, that the definition of religion is the worship of a controlling power. So here's what you need to analyze in your mind. Whatever controls you is your object of worship. Whatever calls the shots in your life is that thing that you worship. For some, it might be your career, right? It might be, it, it might be your job. It might be your bank account. It might be 
It, it might be the substance that's calling the shots. It might be sex. It might be a hobby. I don't know. But whatever's calling the shots in your life is your object of worship. And what we're going to hopefully over the next couple of weeks, maybe three or four, I don't know, we'll see, is let you see that there's so much more to life than just religion. There's so much more to this life that Christ has called us to than just religion. In fact, uh, one of my favorite stories, I'm not going to take the time to read it. You can read it on your own. Jot it down. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. It's the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Let me just go through it really quickly. Elijah was a really bold prophet. And there was all of these other prophets of a different religion. Uh, there's really two, but most of them, uh, it's, it's Elijah against 850 people. How many know that that's, from my perspective and your perspective, is not great odds? Elijah against 850. And most of these 850 worshipped a god named Baal, B-A-A-L. And here's what Elijah said. Elijah said, listen, if Baal is God, then serve him. If Baal's God, then sell out. Go all in for him. And so what I'm going to tell you is that if your job is God... Go, go all in. Jump all in. If money is, your, is, is God, if that's the, then, then chase it. But if God is God, and I hope you see, and I hope you know that God is God. So I'm going to challenge you to make a choice today. I'm going to challenge you to go all in, to be completely invested in the path that Christ has for us all. To seek after God with what we said last week, our whole heart. I mean, anybody, just so I know, has there ever been anybody that tried to do this thing half-heartedly? Because I did. I, I did for a long time. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I, got my, I got my church life here, and then I got my other life that, you know, I, and, and neither the twain shall meet. Um, that's a miserable life, by the way. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Um, it's really called apathy. And last week we said apathy never produces abundance. So, so here's, and this is going to sound mean, and, and I've, I've told you i got a little preacher in me today, so I'm just going to say it. Um, you, you can go all in and seek God with all of your heart, or you can choose to live a mediocre, apathetic life, and the choice is honestly yours. So you can live an apathetic life, or you can live an abundant life, but you can't do both. And so what I hope happens today is that Christ calls some of us out of apathy, out of following him with just part of your heart. And, and I think the choice that I'm going to ask you to make today is, is going to be step one. And, and listen... I say this too much, but I'm going to say it anyway. Some of you have been following the Lord a long time, and you're going to think, well, okay, well, that's, he's talking to them. Please, please don't cheat yourself out of what God might be trying to do in your life by assuming I'm talking to somebody else. See, apathy, which is just indifference, it's boredom. Any, you're not going to raise your hand, but some of you have been bored with Jesus. I've done it. I've gone, done the church thing. I've done all the stuff. I've taken all the classes and gotten bored with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you that that's not a path to abundant life. 
You've been uninvested. See, that doesn't work on your job. Uh, you, nobody ever got the promotion because they were doing it half-heartedly. Up there, doesn't work in your marriage, does it? I could say, baby, I'm going to be completely devoted to you 28 days a month. I'm going to be faithful, you know, most of the time. How would that go over? You'd see two black eyes, right? Nobody trains for the Olympics part-time. So if apathy doesn't work there, it's not going to work in your walk with Christ. So I'm going to challenge you today to go all in. And so what we're going to do over the next several weeks is talk about a series of choices. And today we're going to start at what might be the most foundational choice, and it's trust. Trust. Is, is trust easy, by the way? It's easy to say, isn't it? So just so I know who I'm talking to, if you've ever had your trust abused, let me see your hand. Almost every hand. If, if you've ever been lied to, cheated on, deceived, uh, you don't have to raise your hand because I see you're nodding. Uh, y'all are going to judge me for this. I mentioned it a little earlier, and, and I got a bunch of funny looks, but one of my, still to this day, one of my favorite shows on television, and re, in fact, it's really the only thing that doesn't involve a sport that I watch really, really regularly. It's called Survivor. I love Survivor. I have for years and years and years. Please tell me there's at least one person that likes Survivor. Okay, there's, there's a couple of you. All right. But we shouldn't like it. Because the premise, to be a great player on Survivor, here's what you got to be able to do. you got to be able to earn somebody's trust so you can destroy it at just the right time. you got to be able to earn somebody's trust and then be able to turn on them at just the appropriate time so you can win. Listen, every season somebody says, I'm going to play this game with integrity and I'm not going to lie and I'm not going to cheat. And guess what? They go home real early every time. Trust is hard to gain, and it takes a millisecond to lose. So the question you're going to ask yourself today is, who can I trust? Who can I trust? You can trust I mean, the Sunday school answer is you can trust God, right? But, but do we? I, I think the person that we, that, that we behave like we trust more than anyone else is ourselves. But I, I need to ask you a question. Who's lied to you more than you've lied to yourself? And before you polish your halo, I'm going to start my diet Monday morning. You didn't believe it when you said it. I'm going to be more organized. I'm, you with me? I'm going, to, I'm going to work out every day this week. I bought an Apple watch just so I could close these rings. Those rings look brand new. Just telling you. Who's lied to you more than you? Who's hurt you more than you? 
Who's made decisions that took you down a bad path more than you? Yet when it comes to deciding your path or God's path, so many times we follow the person who's lied to us more than anybody else. So I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to choose to trust God. And, and, and to kind of help us with that, I, I want to deconstruct my wife's favorite passage of Scripture. She loves this passage of Scripture, and, and rightfully so. It, it could, uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful passage in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it, it'll be on the screen behind me. It says, trust in the Lord. Oh, by the way, as we go through, I'm going to tell you to circle a couple words. Is it okay? Because we're going to go back and deconstruct it a little bit. Trust, circle that. In the Lord, circle that. With all your heart, circle that. Do not lean, circle that, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge, circle that, him, and he will make straight, circle those two words, make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. So let's just very quickly, I, I love doing this because, and you've heard me say this before, the, the English language doesn't do justice to the original languages of scripture. Our language doesn't, we don't hear with the same depth this passage that a Hebrew would have heard this passage when it was read to them. Now we hear it and it's good and it's my wife's favorite and we like it and we think, man, that's powerful. But we're going to deconstruct it enough. This is, don't get me wrong, we're not going to have a Hebrew lesson. But we're going to deconstruct it enough to maybe we can see what this passage means in all of its depth or in maybe a little bit more depth. Is that okay? That first word, trust, is a Hebrew word, batak, and it means bold, secure, confidence. Now, now that's not, I, tr I trust that my car is not going to break down on the way home. It may or may not. It's a bold, secure confidence, trust in the Lord. That word Lord is the Hebrew word Jehovah. In fact, uh, uh, Jewish people would never even pronounced that name because it was such a holy name. It, the essence of that word is the one who has always and will always exist. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many know your heart's going to lie to you? That's a Hebrew word called lab, and it means your inner man. When he says trust the Lord with all your hearts, it means the place deep inside of you that contains your understanding, that contains your appetites, the place that contains your emotions, the place that contains your passion. So it's not just, we hear heart and we think, well, our insides. It's the deepest part of you, the place that your appetites dwell with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's a beautiful word and it really means don't rely on your own understanding, or don't rest in your own understanding. Listen, the most dangerous place for a follower of Christ to be is comfortable. Don't rest. See, uh, on, on, our, on our logo, that middle word is connect, grow. See, I, I want you to grow. And what, what Proverbs is saying is that word, that word lean means when you get comfortable and rest and rely on your own understandings. 
in all your ways acknowledge. That's a beautiful word. It's a Hebrew word, yada, and it means to know or to learn. How many would agree, I don't know it all yet? Anybody? I don't know it all. I'm not a finished product, but, but I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. And then he, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make straight your paths. If you're reading in another translation, a lot of translations, instead of make, make straight, it says direct. And it literally means put you on the right path. It doesn't say put you on the easy path. It doesn't say put you on the most comfortable path. It says it puts you on the right path. And so now that we've deconstructed it, I, I want us to read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 like, like we've just described it. And this may be a fraction of what a, a person who could understand the Hebrew language may hear. But here's what I believe. I believe that if you'll, if you'll plug into what we're talking about, if you'll listen carefully, this will speak to you today. You ready? Be boldly and securely confident in the one who has always been and always shall be. Surrender to him from the deepest part of your beings, all of your appetites, all of your emotions, all of your passions. Don't rest or rely on your own understanding. Know or learn to know God's plan for every part of your life, and then he'll lead you down the right path. That's what I want for you, and that's what I want for me. Make no mistake. Listen, trust. The kind of trust we just read about is a choice. And trust is almost always risky. Don and I and some of y'all were at a wedding yesterday. Coolest wedding, one of the coolest weddings I've ever been to. First of all, it was on May the 4th. And so it, there was all kinds of Star Wars themes at the wedding, which I'd never seen. And after they did the mother-daughter dance and all that, and mother-daughter Father-daughter dance. <laughs> the DJ came on and said, oh, we got a couple of special guests. And in walks R2-D2, Darth Vader, and two stormtroopers. And I was like, different. Different. In, in every wedding, that one too, a husband and a wife will stand in front of each other, look each other eye to eye, and cry and snot, and say, I, I, I'm committing to you. I... And it's always risky because you just don't know. You don't know what life's going to bring sometimes. See, you've, you've told me that somebody has lied to you. Somebody has cheated. Somebody you used to trust proved themselves to not be trustworthy. Choosing to trust Christ with all of your life is the only, is the only choice to trust that is risk-free. Because he can never and will never break his trust. He will in every, every circumstance prove himself to be trustworthy. If he lied, he would cease to be God. And all of this means nothing. Trust. Trust. I'm going to tell you why you can put your trust in God. Number one, because his strength is perfect. Anyone ever got to the point where you, th where you thought, I, I'm done. I can't go any further. I'm, my strength is gone. You been there? Yeah, me too. You, you faced a day and you thought, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I can walk out the door. 
Or, or you had this thought, maybe nobody, you know, preachers never have this thought. I just want to pull the covers over my head and just forget about what I got to face today. Isn't it good to know that it's in those moments I don't have to rely on my own strength. I can trust God because his strength. God doesn't never wake up and go, I just can't face these people today. If you were God, or I would go, we would. We would go, they, they, I'm done with them. But God's strength is perfect. You can trust God because the, the, the theological word for that, by the way, is omnipotence. There is nothing he can't do. He has no rival. His strength is perfect. You can trust him because his presence is certain. You've never been somewhere where God is not. I love the psalmist. What he's, the psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there with me. <laughs> Anybody ever try to make your bed in hell? That, the theological word that is omnipresence. In other words, there is no place where he is not. You, you know, we, we act like, you know, we come in and sing the right song and God shows up. How, how many know he was waiting on you when you walked in the building? He is omnipresent. His presence is certain. His knowledge is unequaled. I'm going to drop a truth bomb on you and it's going to shock some of you to the core of your being. Are you ready? I want you to pay attention to this. God's smarter than you. His way's better than yours. His plan's more perfect than yours. He knows what he's doing, and oftentimes we do not. It's his omniscience. In other words, there's nothing he doesn't know. Now, before we get excited about that, think about it real hard. There's nothing about you he doesn't know. There's nothing... You're not going to pray and confess a sin and him go, oh, I didn't see that. There's nothing about you he doesn't know. So why, so while on one hand, that's a little terrifying. That Remember we talked about the part of your heart, the closet that we tucked away and didn't want anybody else to see, that he knows exactly what's in there? But isn't it liberating to know you don't have to put on any mask in front of God? He knows you Intimately. And so you can trust him. Listen, this is why you can trust him. Because he knows all the junk about you and is passionately in love with you anyway. You've tried to run him off and he just won't go away. You can trust him because his strength is perfect. You can trust him because his presence is certain. You can trust him because his knowledge is unequaled. You can trust him because his love is unconditional. I asked you this a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to ask you again. Is there anybody in your life that used to tell you they loved you and doesn't tell you they love you anymore? How many understand that God can never do that? He loves you unconditionally. I love this passage of Scripture. Psalm 13, verse 5 says, But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you've rescued me. I, I, just, I just wonder... If there's anyone here and you've been rescued, you know what it feels like to have your sins forgiven. I trust in your unfailing love, oh God. I can trust you because you love me in spite of my junk. 
you know me completely and you love me anyway, that gives me cause to trust. Man, that's good. It's good to know that our Heavenly Father, listen, I've, I've done the route. I've, I've, I've been down the path of trying to be impressive to church people and to God and, and put on airs that I, I'm something that I'm not, and it's exhausting. And when we planted this church, we decided we're not going to be that way. This is who we are. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm as transparent as, you think I'm transparent in front of you? You ought to hear me pray. I just lay it out. And God wraps his arms around me and holds me close because I'm his child. And his love is unconditional. And he, he can't stop loving me. So here's where you can trust him. You can trust him with your fear. <laughs> Isaiah 26 says, you keep him in perfect peace. Perfect, perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you. I, I wonder if the reverse of that is true. I wonder if there's turmoil in our life. Could it be because our mind isn't stayed where it belongs? I don't know. What do you think? Maybe. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You can trust him with your fear. You can trust him with your doubt. I consider myself a man of faith. But I'm not going to tell you that there hasn't been times in my life when I, 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 I'd be in a difficult season. And I'd pray, and maybe, maybe you can, this will relate to you. You pray and you're like, is, is it really going anywhere? Is anybody really listening? You know what I've learned to do in those moments? God, I'm dealing with a little doubt right now. I, I know what you said, but I'm just telling you what's going on inside this frail human being. And I've learned to trust him because even in those moments of death, even when I've proven myself to be faithless, he is always faithful. So you can trust him with your fear. You can trust him with your doubt. You can trust him with your worry. Any worriers in the house, be honest. <laughs> we, we, we've said this for a couple of years that what you worry about the most is where you trust God the least. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, in your mind, identify that thing you worry about the most. Is it, is it money? Put, just identify that thing that you worry about the most. Is it your family? Is it your health? Is it your money? What, what is that thing in your, in your head? What is that thing that you would worry about the most or that would cause you the greatest concern? What, just identify that in your brain and here's what I want you to do. I want you to put that in your mind on one side of a scale. All right? Did you do it? All right, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to slide that scale to the side for just a minute. Because I want, I want to talk to you about, about the God that we serve. And to do that, I love, I love, 
I love doing this because it makes me feel smart. I'm going to teach you a Latin phrase. You ready? It's creation ex nihilo. Worked for 30 minutes on pronouncing that last word. Creation ex nihilo. And it's, it's a simple phrase, and here's what it means. It's a Latin phrase that means creation out of nothing. Creation out of nothing. And it's a theological term that lets us know that before God spoke the world into existence, there was nothing. And, and your, your mind and my mind can't comprehend that. Because if I were to ask you what's inside this cup, you would say, you would say nothing. You're scared to now because I just said that we've never been in. But you would say that there's nothing inside this cup. But tell me, you know, that there's inside this cup, there's matter and there's space and there's energy. And oh, you know what's inside this cup? Time is inside this cup. There's all sorts of things inside this cup. How many of you made coffee this morning? Y'all are my people. Dwayne, I can't believe that you're drinking coffee on stage. If y'all could drink it out there, I can drink it up here. How many of you made coffee this morning? Put your hand in the air. No, you didn't. You brewed coffee this morning. You may say, any, any Keurig people in the house? Let me see my Keurig brothers and sisters. Have you ever had Green Mountain Dark Magic Coffee? It's a life changer. Just going to drop that little truth bomb on you right there. So, so Green Mountain made the coffee. No, Green Mountain ground the coffee that you could brew. Well, then it's obviously the, the bean that makes the coffee. Um, I need a volunteer. You don't even know what I'm buying? Yes, you know what is in this. See, these are not just normal coffee beans. I need to know who is a coffee fanatic that loves dark chocolate. Come here, Becky. Have you ever had one of these? No. I'm about to change your life. You're going to call me this afternoon going, Dwayne, thank you for my new addiction. Just take, <laughs> just take one of those and, and knock yourself out. Can I have a nope. <laughs> that is mine. They're from Trader Joe's. You can have that. <laughs> you're welcome. You're not going to sleep for three days, but you're welcome. So... So, the, the beans made the coffee. No, 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 no. Here's what I want you to see. That what God created the world from was nothing. Scientists have a word for it. The moment in, in our time when all of the matter on the universe, in the universe, spontaneously appeared. They call it a spontaneous uh, creation event. You may have heard of it as the Big Bang Theory. And here's, here's the deal. And a lot of Christian and creationists push against them calling it the Big Bang Theory. I don't care. Do you know why? Because I know who lit the fuse. And out of nothing, out of nothing, God created in one moment all of the matter needed 
to, to synthesize everything you see, feel, touch, exist, everything there is in one moment God created. Out of, see, you've never seen nothing. You've never been in the presence of nothing. In fact, imagine the darkest, quietest room you've ever been in. And inside that room was all sorts of matter and space and energy, even though you couldn't see it. You've never been in the presence of nothing. But God spoke the world into existence because he's God and he did it from nothing. Okay? Now I want you to go grab that scale. Because here are the words that you've said. I can't do it. I have nothing left. The doctor said, there's nothing I can do. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember that thing that you put on this side of the scale. And on this side, I want you to drop a God that creates from nothing. He has no right. He has no equal. He's God. And from your nothing, he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or you can imagine. So which one of those sides of the scale are you going to trust today? I choose to trust a God who can create. I choose to trust a God who knows me intimately. She used to love me, but now she said she feels nothing. Man, God does his best work in the middle of nothing. Can you trust him? The answer is yes. He's trustworthy. He's never lied. He's, he's only God. And he's only good. And listen, I, I, I trust this woman with everything in my life. She has proven for 33 years how trustworthy she is. But I, I don't trust her like I trust God. She can't trust me like she trusts God. So to go all in, and that's what this series is all about, I'm going to give you four things very quickly today that I want you to do. Number one, I want you to identify those areas where you've acknowledged God the least. And it was probably that thing in your scale. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was your health. Maybe it was your past. Maybe it was your resentment. Maybe it was your hatred. I don't know what that thing is, but there's a part of you that you've not, you've not acknowledged God like we talked about earlier. What do I worry about the most? Or maybe you'll identify it this way. What do I complain about the most? Identify that thing. Y'all know how transparent I am. I worry about y'all probably too much. Because I love you and I, I want to see you grow. And, and when you're not here, I wonder, man, I hope they're okay. I worry about you. But you know what I'm learning to do? And I'm, not, I'm not there yet, but I'm learning to trust God with your life. 
What do I complain about the most? Maybe that's the thing that that you need to identify. And then the second thing is to stop leaning on you. Does that resonate with anybody? That you spend a lot of your energy relying on your own calendar, your own strength, your own abilities. And listen, man, God's given you all those things and, and, and use them for his glory. But listen, the moment that that becomes your God, you got to... Man, I, I, I see women like my wife who will go and go and go and go and go and go and go. And I'm going to tell you that if that's you uh, and, and you're leaning on yourself and your own strength, you'll come, there'll be a point when you'll hit a wall. And you'll say, I can't do it anymore. I have nothing. And I don't want that for you. I want you to stop leaning on you and lean into the arms of Christ. So the, the question you might want to ask yourself, remember we said rely or rest was that what those words meant. Is there an area where you've grown to rely on you too much? That you're more secure in your own path than you are in God's? Or is there a place in your life where you're resting? In your spiritual walk that you're resting? And here's what that typically means. That typically means a sinful choice that you've decided to live with. What, what's that thing? I've, I've tried to quit. I've tried to stop. It's just obviously not going to happen. So I'm just going to live with it. I'm just going to let it hang on. I'm going to tell you that's apathy. And you're not going to walk into the abundant life Christ has for you. If you knowingly hang on to those choices. I'm not telling you you're going to live a perfect life. Because you know me better than that. I'm telling you that when you've said it's okay. And I'm just going to bring it along with me. Listen to me. You can trust God with that. You can lay it at his feet. Well, Dwayne, you don't know how long it's been a part of my life. I don't care. You can trust God with it, and you can lay it at his feet. That doesn't mean you won't struggle. That means you won't have a hard day. But here's what it will mean. I don't mean you'll have somebody walking this path with you. who He said, cast your cares on me. That's what he said. Identify. Stop leaning on you. We read this passage uh, uh, earlier today. It says, I, I trust in the Lord because I've learned his name. <laughs> I trust in the Lord because I've learned his name. So I'm going to tell you to learn his name. Go on a journey to find out all you can do to find who God is and how he does things. Open your Bible. Come to church. Get in a growth group. Listen, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't try to talk people into following Jesus. Because if you're on a sincere search for truth, you'll find him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So identify, stop leaning, learn his name, and then lastly, I'm, I'm just going to say it again, choose to trust God. Donna, come and play. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And uh, I, I just want to pray for you today. You know, sometimes the hardest thing to do as a pastor is, 
And obviously, you know, we, we, we pray and we fast and we ask the Lord to give us strength and direction for our sermons and for our messages. And sometimes it's hard. Because I know, especially in a smaller church like ours, we, there's, there's going to be, that's true in a, 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 any size church, there's going to be folks who are far from God or maybe just beginning a walk with Christ. And there may be folks who have been following the Lord for a very, very, very long time. And, and I'm going to have to stand here and I'm going to have to preach a message that identifies and that resonates with, with that broad spectrum of people. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't worry about that with this, this sermon. Because I promise you, there's in every one of our lives, there's something. There's an area of our lives where we haven't acknowledged God and we need to trust Him with that thing. Or maybe you're not a Christ follower today. That you walk through this building far from God. The, the place your trust begins it's when you trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. When you trust Christ and his work on the cross that we believe was sufficient to purchase your sin and mine, to purchase your salvation and mine, to purchase your rescue and mine. That's where this trust thing that we, come, that we talked about today begins. God, I trust you. I trust you that, that your son Jesus And the work that he did on the cross was enough for me, for my sin. I trust that you're forgiving me of my sin. I trust that you've got a purpose and a plan for my life. I trust today that if I choose to follow you, you'll reveal that plan. I trust if I choose to follow you that you'll lead and guide and direct my paths and put me on the right path. I trust today that if I confess my sin, that you're faithful to forgive me. And so for some of you, your trust journey begins right there. And when we pray, I'm going to challenge you to pray just like that. God, I trust you. And I trust your son, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I trust you've got a plan for me. I want you to pray just like that. Some of you are here and you say, Dwayne, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. But there's an area of my life that I don't trust God in. And it's hard, I know, to verbalize that. It, it might be your marriage. It might be your past. It might be your finances. It may be that part of your life where you said, I've done all I can do and I've got nothing left. I just want to remind you that God does his best work in the nothing. So we're going to pray together. Then we're going to celebrate communion. I want you to bow with me. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Some of us are saying, oh God, I trust you. I trust you for my rescue. I trust you for my salvation. I trust you for my, my deliverance. I trust you for saving me, for giving me of my sin. So God, those that are, that are praying that kind of prayer right now, God, I trust you that you're going to invade their life. You're going to make them a new creature in Jesus. You're going to do what your word says and make us a new creation. All the old's gone and the new's brand, and the new has come. And then there's some of us who are laying an area of our life where we, 
we haven't acknowledged you, or we haven't trusted you with. For some of us, it's a hurt. For some of us, it's past. It's, some of us, it's resentment, anger, and fear, and doubt, and worry, and sickness, and money, and all of that stuff. But today, collectively and individually, God, we, we hold it up to you and say, we trust you. You're bigger than that. You have no equal. You have no right. Now would you just join me in just a moment. In your own words, just thank God for who he is and what he's done. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this place, in these hearts, today, in my heart. In Jesus' name.